Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you uh, this evening. As always, we're going to start things off with a great panel discussion on Coach's Corner uh, segment of the show. And a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by a professional golf instructor and Golf Tips Top 25 uh, instructor, uh, Mr. Barry Goldstein, is going to be joining me on the second half of the show, and I'm excited to have him on. Uh, he hasn't been on, uh, I think, for a little over a year now. And uh, we're going to have some great uh, call-ins, some questions for him uh, throughout the evening. So I'm excited about that. Um, But first, let me remind everybody, of course, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Best way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com, search uh, in the search key for Golf Talk Live, and you can just uh, scroll down uh, on the main page. We'll be there front and center when it's live. And if you can't join us live, you can scroll down on that page to the on-demand section, and all of the previously aired shows, including tonight's, will be there a little bit later on. Uh, you can check in the on-demand section all of the previously aired shows. So in case you missed one, uh, it's a great way to go and check it out. And um, on that note, I'm going to introduce tonight's uh, special panel. And uh, first up is, of course, uh, um, John Hughes, PGA Master Professional and Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section. Uh, he was also the recipient of the 2013 PGA of America Professional Development Award. Uh, he's a senior editor, Golf Tips uh, Top 25 instructor, and part of the Golf Tips advisory staff. Plus, he was the uh, 2023 North Florida PGA Teacher and Coach of the Year. Uh, glad to have him on the panel. Also, uh, another great professional, Jamie Leno Zimron. She's a Class A LPJ teacher professional, as well as a sixth degree Aikido black belt, a somatic psychologist, corporate speaker, and mind body fitness trainer and graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Stanford University and is also the creator of Ki Golf, The Centered Way. So, John and Jamie, welcome once again to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Ted. Always good to be here and happy to be together. All right. Well, thank you, guys, as always. I appreciate you giving up your time, and I know, as I've said many times, it's it's, uh, not always easy. Appreciate you guys uh, jumping on uh, with me here um, on Thursday night. All right, so as I mentioned, we're going to talk about, uh, I mentioned to you guys off air, we're going to talk a little bit about the mental game, uh, some of the, the uh, things we, we've discussed before, but we're going to try to break it down even further if we can. Um, and, you know, even though we're, we're getting a little bit later in the season for some, we're already at pretty much at the middle of September, and some people, depending on where they are, might be thinking, well, you know what, I'm winding down my game. How is this going to help me at this point? Um, I'm a firm believer it's never too late to absorb 
either new skills or reinforce existing skills, and that includes in the mental game as well. So um, it's always a good time, even if it's an end of the season uh, for some of you there, uh, maybe up in the Northeast that are starting to wind down. It's never too late, and there's never an inappropriate time to work on your game. So you can always be working on it. Um, John, I'm going to start with you, if you don't mind, on this one here. And one of the things that we've talked about a lot is really to develop a, a solid pre-shot routine. You know, we often see, um, you know, this is an overlooked thing. We watch the professionals on TV. Um, I'm sure most people have noticed that he or she performs a series of actions before hit, they actually hit the ball um, and is really a good way to sort of help with the focus and I think for the mind game. Some of the the, the benefits of having a pre-shot routine, not just, and you can walk through maybe some steps that might be uh, appropriate for some golfers to consider it, to add into their pre-shot routine, but what really what are we trying to do here with developing a good pre-shot routine and explain exactly what we're meaning by that? Sure. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to answer that one and all the rest today, Ted, and, and the opportunity to be on the program. Jamie, glad to have you back. Uh, glad to be on the program with you. Looking forward to your insights as we as we spend the hour with Ted. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this a little bit more obtusely, Ted, than you thought I would. And I would challenge the listening audience to give someone your mobile device and hit record on a video, and video to have that person videotape you from the moment you get out of the cart or the moment you walk up to your ball and see how differently you go about the entire process of a pre-shot routine. And that in lies the difference between good players and bad players. Their pre-shot routine repeats. It's pretty much the same thing. It times out to almost the exact same timing with each and every shot, unless there's a very unique circumstance you got to think through. The decision to pick the club happens roughly in the same place within the pre-shot routine your waggles, how you address the ball, how you align, how you go through your entire setup happens in a very deliberate sequence. As you videotape everything, don't be surprised if the waggle and the swing looks the same, but everything prior to that is probably going to look very different. Why is that? Because you probably haven't put as much value into what that time really represents and how well a better routine can serve you to calm your nerves, to clear your mind, and to make better decisions, to understand the situation that you're in and get more into a problem-solving mode versus an aggressive, I can do this, and, oh, by the way, I forgot my skills can't kind of mode. Uh, that, that would be a challenge I'd offer everybody, and I hit some points within that answer, Ted, that would really be the shining moment. Bottom line is this. You're probably consistently inconsistent when it comes to your pre-shot routine, and what a pre-shot routine off does is offer you consistency so you can play your best shot after shot after shot, provides you the opportunity to do so, not necessarily the performance to do so. That's up to you building skills. But at least it provides you a stage to set it correctly to where all the opportunity, all the odds are in your favor. Yeah, it's well said. And and just to add real quickly, you know, I, I think everybody needs to find what works best for them. Everybody's routine is going to be a little bit different. Some might want to 
copy one that they've seen some of the pros do or maybe add elements of it. Another thing, too, I think that people forget to do um, throughout their golf swing, but particularly even in the, uh, in the pre-shot routine portion, and that is to really help relax and calm the nerves. And one great way to do that is really with some deep breathing. Take a few deep breaths in and out and focus you know, uh, the mind and visualize what it is that you're trying to accomplish and then go through your steps. Um, and I think if you do that, and, and that's a great point that you raised up too, is you know, having a, a, a buddy videotape you going through that routine from right from the get-go, right from the golf cart, right on until you're ready to hit the ball. And then look at that and make a, a, you know, a decision on what you need to change or what you want to add in there uh, and then see what it is you're doing. And I think that, that visual cue is certainly going to help. But uh, great answer, and, and uh, thanks for pointing uh, some of those additional topics out. Um, Jamie, we, we often hear the phrase, stay in the present moment. Um, I think often golfers make the mistake of getting ahead of themselves or maybe even dwelling on past mistakes. So talk about really what we mean by staying in the moment, and are there some key uh, areas that you can think of that can help uh, our, our amateur golfers out there uh, be present in the moment? Sure. Well, staying in the moment, I would say – it goes along with a, uh, one of my favorite phrases, uh, which is that the most important shot in golf is this one, <laughs> right? So, you know, we, we get out of the present. People get out of the present by either kind of uh, ruminating, beating themselves up about, you know, the last shot or a few shots ago, a few holes ago, and the putt they missed or that sort of thing and can get into negative self-talk. So, that's one way to get out of the present or to be anticipating like, Oh my God, I just, you know, I had two or three bogeys or a double. So I've got to be sure I make some pars or birdies coming up and all of that, um, you know, past and future shots and holes is what it means to be out of the present moment rather than thinking about being uh, in this shot, what you're going to do in this shot. So um, I think those things really go together and knowing that uh, honestly, it's like, the only moment we really have is now in life in general. And the only shot that we really need to be concerned about is this shot. It is the most important one. So uh, I hope that helps just for people to really, you know, Oh, focus now, focus on this shot now. And that means uh, learning to control your mind. Right. Uh, And and thinking Mm -hmm. about, well, you know, looking at the course in the moment and and this particular shot, what's my lie? What's my distance? Where's the wind coming from? Where's a good landing spot? Those kinds of things are the the things to be thinking about. And then when you stand over the ball, for me, the greatest way to be in the present is to be in my body. Um, And that means, and that's also a question of managing and controlling your mind because when the mind is wandering off, which it tends to do, the mind really likes to move around. It can jump. We call it monkey mind. Um, it can move around and it can get distracted in worries about the past or future, um, in, you know, what's the other person doing, all of that. So for me, I, I practice what I call body mindfulness, not just mindfulness, but body mindfulness. When I take my mind and I consciously with control, move it into my belly, into my legs and feet, into my setup, into my grip. That helps me be very in the moment, very in the present. And standing over the ball on this shot and being prepared to make my swing. Um, And people have different swing triggers. I personally like to start with my left instep. 
little pressure on my left instep. The knee gets my right hip turning, moves me into my backswing. And a little pressure on my right instep brings me right down and into the ball and so then following through. So, I mean, that, those are personally some things that I work with. I think, again, mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest takeaway I'd want people to get is the way to get into the present moment is to take your mind and put it into your body right here and now over this shot, over this golf ball. Well said. Um, and, 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 and just to further one of the points that you made is you really need to let go of, of any mistakes or bad shots that you may have already happened. You can't change the past. You, you can't reinvent that shot. So you just have to let it go, and you just have to move on and stay at, at the present shot. And then I think also, too, when you get on this shot at the moment, in the present moment, um, you need to also be realistic, too. Uh, I think staying present, staying focused, is understanding what your limitations are so that you make an informed decision and then you feel more confident when you're standing over the ball and getting ready to take this shot, not the shot that you just had. So uh, a lot of great points. You also touched on mindfulness as well, uh, which is a key factor, um, and uh, some great points all around. Uh, so thank you for that as well. Um, John, I'm going to come back to you. And This is one here um, we see and hear, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, on the golf course, uh, even sometimes on the practice tee, um, where somebody hits a bad shot, they're thumping their club, maybe they're mumbling some words under their breath, maybe some of them are uh, expelling some expletives, whoever knows, um, not doing them any good. We need to use what many refer to as positive self-talk. Run us through that um, scenario a little bit. What should we be saying to ourselves that's going to help us uh, uh, provide confidence and ultimately better performance? How do we talk to ourselves in the right frame of mind? Well, let's take your statement and break it down. What you're doing, which is natural for all human beings, is to emote, to show emotion. And you talk to any sports psychologist worth their weight, whether it's golf or any other sport, it is okay to emote. It's okay to release those negative feelings. The, the problem that most amateur golfers have because they don't realize they've already released it, and they just keep piling on and piling on. So the positive self-talk is inexistent. It becomes negative self-talk. It becomes, why can't I do this? I can't do this. Uh, it never goes my way. I don't have any luck. I mean, those are just the ones that I'm willing to say on air today. There's others, as you said. But <laughs> you've got to have right. a point. In your post-shot evaluation, to not only emote, but turn the trigger off so the positive self-talk can happen. And what I'm always telling my clients who ride is the minute you put that club back in your bag, that should be the trigger to leave all the negativity back where it belongs. It belongs where you just performed. And as soon as you get in the cart, it's time to start thinking positively. And that's just what positive self-talk is. It's positive talk to yourself, you being your own best friend. It's telling yourself that you can do this. It's telling yourself an inventory of skills that you have available, not necessarily that you wish were available. Positive self-talk is going through that decision-making process I alluded to in the pre-shot routine and being a problem-solving mode and being your own motivation. You don't uh, one of the things, and I've said this before in the program, is coaches are not there to motivate you. 
we're there to inspire you. And if I'm in the cart with mm-hmm. you trying to get you more self-talk in a positive way, I'm doing it in a more inspirational way because I can't be in that cart with you every round. You have to find a way right. that makes you feel good about talking about yourself in a positive way. And whether you're public speaking or trying to write a resume or walking into an interview, one of the toughest things to do is talk about yourself in a positive way. The studies are out there. So you've got to start on the range positively talking to yourself. You've got to start in a car driving to the golf course positively talking to yourself. And I'm not saying make up a bunch of fluff. I'm just telling you, what are the positive things that you own, that you possess, that are at your disposal that you can use during a round of golf, during a practice session? Positive self-talk is very, very simple. It's you being your own best friend, being that coach sitting next to you in a ghostly kind of way, letting you know that, hey, you're capable of pulling this off. You're capable of doing this. Let's do it in a realistic way so your negative emoting is now minimized and your ability to turn that trigger to the positive is easier to pull. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, some great points. You know, positive self-talk is, is a great way really to help you stay motivated and focused uh, even when those uh, times when things aren't going as well. And, you know, I always say to, to students, um, as I'm sure probably both of you have uh, at, at various times, is even if the hole itself Let's say, you know, it was a par four and uh, you ended up with a bogey. Um, even though you're not maybe happy with the numbers, maybe you had some good shots. Maybe your tee shot was good. Maybe your putt was really good. I like to get them to extrapolate and say to themselves, hey, you know, that was a great putt. I tapped that in. Uh, you know, I had a good approach shot. Maybe it wasn't for par, but still I had a great, uh, uh, a great approach shot or my tee shot was, was really sound and I'm happy with that. So I think switching those words around and not focusing on the negative. The time to really look at some of the issues that you may be having during that round is when you get back to the practice tee with your coach or, or your teacher professional, and you can go over some of those uh, difficulties that you're having. But when you're out in the golf course, the last thing you want to do is be saying, well, I'm always messing up on this shot, or, uh, or I've made this shot be- before, can I do it again? Uh, as you said, John, there's a lot of, I mean, there's even worse than that. Those are the mild ones. But uh, you're exactly right. I think you have to have some positive self-talk, and you are the only one out there really to motivate yourself, and uh, that's the only way you can stay focused by really focusing on the positive things that are going on out there. And deal with it. That means you don't ignore it. You do it in the moment, and you deal with those other uh, things that maybe didn't go your way at a more appropriate time, but not when you're out in the golf course. You want to stay positive and motivated when you're out there. Um, Jamie, another thing that I think uh, sort of ties in with this a little bit is um, visualization. It can help us stay focused, uh, not only uh, on the shot, but uh, on uh, specific goals that we may have when we're out there, and as a great confidence booster as well uh, with our abilities. How do we visualize success? What are we looking, and what really are we talking about here? Um, you know, we all like to shoot a great number, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's really on a more individual scale. How do we visualize success, and what are we looking to do uh, before each shot? Well, visualization is, <clears throat> you know, it, it's what it sounds like, yeah, seeing the shot, uh, excuse me, seeing the shot that you want to make. So, um, you know, that can be the trajectory, how high do you want to hit it, are you trying to keep it low for, um, you know, for example, uh, let's say that you're, you're chipping or hitting an approach shot, where's the pin? 
Is it in the back of the green, the middle of the green, front of the green? Does it got a little, are there some slopes? Uh, is it going to break right, left, left, right? So those are the some, some of the things that you're looking at when you're thinking about your shot and how you want it to, to land, how you want it to fly, how you want it to land, how you want it to roll. So, you know, you picture those elements again, the height, the, the roll on the ball, the direction of break, um, thinking about the wind, all that kind, of, that kind of thing. So it helps to see the shot that you want to make because it helps then for the body and the mind to make the kind of swing that, that will produce that kind of trajectory. It also is helpful clearly in the, in the club selection, right? If you're going to hit a shot that's going to be lower or higher, uh, that sort of thing. Um, where are you going to place the ball in your stance? That's another factor. Placing it a little further uh, up in your stance helps you to hit it more in the upswing, helps you to get it up in the air. <clears throat> uh, let's say a shot under, the, under a tree. You know, I love to hit, say, a four iron and take a sort of a nice straight string back, uh, swing back and then through big extension, play it off the back of my, in the back of my stance and nice long extension with my arms rather than the kind of full high finish that's going to help it uh, take off under, under a tree and keep it low and then let it run. So these are things about knowing what your clubs can produce, what you can produce. And once you know those kinds of things, it helps you to actually uh, create the shot that you can visualize, that you can see. Because I think a lot of us picture these beautiful shots and then go, oh, I don't know if I can do that, right? Um, so um, that's actually, a, I, I would say, and we don't talk about this a whole lot, but I think that it's really fun to practice visualization on the range, which is to pick a shot in your mind that you want to hit and see if you can produce it um, according to those factors that I mentioned. So, you know, visualize a shot um, and where you want it to land, um, you know, which way you want it to be uh, rolling or bouncing, um, would you like it to be nice and high and drop? And so learn how to hit those shots and practice on the range visualizing producing a shot, executing. So, you know, it's all about the visualization and execution connection. And there's no better feeling, I think, than uh, visualizing, knowing what it is you want to do, picking the right club, making the right swing, and actually executing. It's, it's just a fabulous feeling. I just had one of those the other day. I was a little bit in the rough, um, maybe about 120 outs in the green, and there were definitely some uh, tree leaves. It was a pretty tall tree, and I'm like, wow, i got to get this really high, and I did. <laughs> and it was right on the pin, too. Um, that, I mean, the only way to go for the pin and not kind of bail out to the side of it was to hit it really high, and I did it. So, you know, um, it was a perfect example for me of just, just what you're talking about, seeing that very high shot and then, uh, you know, picking a wedge and just really going, whoa, getting under it. And it was, it was a wonderful feeling. But I think um, this point about practicing so that you can uh, start to trust that a little bit better, that you've uh, picked a shot in your mind uh, on the range, and, uh, or if you go out and practice uh, late in the afternoon, that kind of thing, or in a playing lesson, work on that with your pro. Visualize, execute, visualize, execute, build that connection. Well said, Jamie. You know, I think a lot of, you know, Jack Nicholas talked about this a lot in his career, that he visualized every shot before he stepped up. He knew exactly the shot he needed to hit, um, and whether they were pulled off every single time or not really wasn't what was important. Obviously, that was what his goal was, but he wanted to visualize the shot that he knew he needed to make. 
And it's important to do that. And you're exactly right, Jamie. I mean, uh, a lot of people overlook this. They don't really see the shot. And if you can't see the shot in your mind, if you can't visualize the shot that you need, um, whatever the scenario may be, then it's very hard to really pull it off. And then when you get something, well, that's not really what I wanted, but you know, you're not really sort of preparing yourself. So it's all in the preparation too. Uh, and visualization is just one step um, uh, part of it. So thank you for, for some great points there. Um, John, this is one here um, that I think a lot of people uh, certainly understand, but don't appreciate um, the importance, how it fits into this game, but staying physically fit um, also has a significant impact on mental game. And it's not all about just going to the gym and pumping iron. Uh, obviously, golf is a very specific game. There's certain exercises that may, and we don't need to necessarily need to get into specific exercises because I think the best way, obviously, is to get in touch with a, a golf fitness um, uh, instructor that's certified um, to get specific exercises. But there is an important reason why uh, this helps and is important for the mental game. Maybe you can touch on some key points here. Sure. The, the idea of being physically fit is about providing your brain an opportunity to use less energy to keep your engine moving, your engine being your body. Uh, not only your, your heart and mind being in good physical shape and mental shape, if your body is out of shape or has an impairment or an injury, your brain needs more energy to, number one, work through that issue. Number two, mentally and emotionally deal with it. So I want to harken back to something very simple we all learned in physics. As much as Newt Rockne gave Notre Dame the old give it 100%, 110% for the Gipper speech, there is no such thing as 100%. So if your body and or brain is using an extra 5 or 10% because you have a lower back issue or your stamina is not enough to get you through 18 holes, and on the 13th hole you're getting fatigued, by the 16th hole you're getting tired. If you have a, another situation where maybe you get injured midway through the round, you turn an ankle, which is probably the, the most common thing along with maybe a wrist or an elbow injury because you came in too steep to a golf ball. This is all energy that your brain now has to use to fight off the pain, fight off the fatigue, fight off whatever it's got to fight off. And it's that much less energy you have to not only make a swing, but to actually go about the process of setting up to make the swing. So physical fitness has more to do with the elimination of excess energy usage during a round of golf. Yeah, you expend the energy working out or walking around the block or whatever exercise you choose to get in physical shape. But as you get in physical shape, I'm, I'm one who can attest to this. If I've worked out in the past, if I've gone to the fitness center, I'm thinking about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and, and the positive things that are going to happen to me while on the golf course because I know my body's in shape. So it's a cyclical thing. When you're, when you're doing the work, it, it may not be pleasant. It may not be something you really want to do. But the dividends you get from making that work happen, both physically and mentally, transform you as a golfer on the golf course, allowing you to utilize energy more efficiently, 
not have to think about the things that are bugging you, being focused on the present, as Jamie said, and, and being right there to hit this shot, not worried about an impairment, an injury, fatigue, which are probably the three biggest things the average amateur golfer faces. Uh, again, well said. And, and just to, to, to clarify a couple, or rather not clarify, but just to, to emphasize a, a few points, you know, being physically fit is not just about how we look. I mean, obviously we want to look well and we want to look fit and, and, um, and, and experience the physical attributes that come with uh, being in good shape. Uh, but as you pointed out, it, you know, it releases a lot of chemicals. Endorphins is an example, which help to boost your mood and energy levels, which is great. And regular exercise can also help reduce stress and anxiety, which uh, uh, can interfere in your focus and confidence on the golf course. So it's not just a matter of, you know, um, struggling to finish that 18-hole uh, round, but also how mentally sharp are you going to be throughout that round if you're fatigued and tired because you're out of shape um, or uh, you've been having some, some uh, difficult uh, struggles out there on the golf course with a few holes. Suddenly now the stress and anxiety levels have increased. And if you're not in good shape or, you know, you maybe uh, um, instead of, you know, because uh, nutrition is another one that we need to focus on as well a little bit, but um, in, in the conversation, because that's another area as well. If you're eating a lot of products that contain high sugars and, and things where you're getting a spike uh, throughout the round and then you're sort of crashing and burning afterwards, um, again, that's not going to help either. So you want to make sure you incorporate some regular exercise. And again, it's not all just about lifting the barbells and, and doing the, uh, you know, the treadmill and things like that. There's some specific exercises and we can talk a little bit about that, um, how to go and find a, uh, a golf a certified golf fitness instructor that specializes in some uh, tips and, and training that can help you get into good golf shape. So we need to focus on that uh, uh, in order to help the, the mental side of your game as well as to make sure you're physically fit. So some great points there, John. We'll we'll maybe uh, talk about uh, that a little bit more another time. But, uh, Jamie, here's one as well. I think uh, it's important uh, that we embrace the challenge of playing golf. Golf, as we, all, we can all attest, is a difficult game, and even some of the best golfers in the world make mistakes. So rather than getting frustrated or discouraged, we need to embrace the challenge. Let's walk through this one a little bit as well. <laughs> I always love your questions, Ted. Um, golf is definitely challenging. I think the first way to embrace it is to acknowledge that. Yeah, we have such high expectations of ourselves, and golf is a humbling sport, as has often, be, often been said and experienced by even the greatest in the game. Uh, so golf is, is kind of humbling. Um, we... I think one thing that's nice is that we're going to probably bat better than baseball players. The greatest baseball players, uh, what, hit maybe uh, 0.3, 3 point something. Um, so, you know, their percentage of hits is like 3 out of 10, and that's already makes you a star major leaguer. We're probably going to do better in our uh, all of our shots and our chips and our putts. So that's kind of nice to know. Um, I think we have to support ourselves uh, mentally. We have to give ourselves credit for playing the game and we give ourselves credit for, you know, coming back every shot, every time we get back out there. And when you embrace the challenge in golf and in life, you start having more fun and having more fun is important. 
uh, partly just because we want to enjoy ourselves in life, but also because when we're having fun, we tend to be more relaxed, we tend to be more forgiving, we tend to be more friendly, we tend to uh, get on better with the course, with our playing partners, and with ourselves. And our our shots and our scores respond to that. Um, so I think that, you know, you, you hear that a lot from tour players and tour players who have been around. They start saying, you know what, I just decided to go out and have more fun. And I was enjoying myself. That tends to be not just a canned comment that they make in their, uh, you know, pre- or post-game interviews. I think they really mean it. And mental game coaches, uh, I think, have been emphasizing more and more to be more relaxed and to be more relaxed by enjoying yourself more. So that is part of embracing the challenge. Um, you know, preparation, of course, having some good uh, teaching. You need, you need a pro. You need some lessons. And you need to practice. Uh, and practice can happen not only on the driving range and the golf course. It's very possible to set up um, some, you know, little practice areas uh, at your home or in the local park. You can use wiffle balls. You can use hula hoops for targets uh, <clears throat> and, you know, practice safely. Uh, a lot of the exercises, fitness, golf fitness exercises, and what I call swing patterning or swing katas from martial arts, which is a, a form practice, uh, can be done at home. And uh, even in your office, you can putt on your carpet. So things like that help you to embrace the challenge by preparing yourself. And the more prepared you are, the more confidence that you, that you have. Swing patterning is an idea that I don't think is used enough in instruction. And I've really been trying to n- introduce it to more of my colleagues. Um, and the idea is that, you know, the golf swing is basically three phases, backswing, downswing, and impact, and follow-through. And all athletic movement comes from the lower body, feet, and up through your knees and hips into your upper body. So developing proper sequence, proper tempo and timing, uh, that's all built into some of these. Um, there's, I've got five swing pattern exercises that I teach that basically build all of the positions and transitions in a tour, in a tour swing. So these are some of the ways I think that we can embrace the challenge, which is to just go, yeah, it's a humbling game. Yeah, I really am proud of myself for, for being a golfer. Not an easy thing to do. And uh, I embrace the challenge by having a really positive attitude, deciding I'm going to have fun and enjoy myself and enjoy every improvement I make, enjoy the ups and downs, knowing that that's what, that's what it's like out there. It's up and down through every round of golf and through, you know, every season, every week or season. And, um, and prepare, practice and prepare and enjoy the whole process. Again, some excellent points that you raise, and, and you're exactly right. There's a lot of factors involved. Obviously, you know, having that positive self-talk uh, when you're out in the golf course uh, is, is, is helping you through um, some of the adversity you might be faced. Obviously, being in good physical shape uh, helps you as well. Visualizing uh, some success out there, you know, imagining, uh, you know, hitting that, that perfect fade uh, into that pin, um, you know, getting yourself prepared is, is so key. And, you know, I, I've often said, too, um, that golf mimics life in so many ways and vice versa. So even when you're not on the golf course, when you're dealing with struggles, how you handle those struggles personally uh, can also help you out in the golf course when you're faced with some of the challenges, whether it be, uh, you know, a, a green protected by, you know, several bunkers or a water hazard or what have you, um, how you handle 
the different scenarios that you might be faced with on the golf course um, is, is a much bigger priority than whether you're hitting the best uh, shot uh, that you can, the straightest shot you can. Obviously, it's ideal to be able to be a better ball striker. We want to achieve that. Uh, but some of the, the least perfect ball strikers on tour have gone on to win many, many, including major championships, uh, and they weren't really ranked high in, in their ball striking, but they knew how to navigate and manage themselves mentally around the golf course. Jack Nicholas is a perfect example. Um, certainly he could uh, hit some great shots, uh, but he hit some, some bad ones too, but he still managed to recover. Tiger Woods is another one. Uh, we've seen him many times over the years hit some errant tee shots uh, and getting into the weeds, but his mental fortitude was so sound and tight that he was able to just get out there and recover and went on to win uh, many championships as well, including uh, numerous majors. So um, I think embracing the challenge, yes, it's a difficult game as we all recognize, but understanding uh, some of the key points that we've talked about uh, I think is, is, uh, is equally important. Uh, we're going to just finish off with a few. Uh, we've got more time, but I want to finish off with a few other uh, quick points um, that um, I think that uh, are, are interesting to, to talk about. Um, and, and I think that one of them, John, that I'm going to get you to talk a little bit about um, is, is the, really the planning uh, of the whole. Uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, it's a good idea to work from the green back. Others say, you know, plan your hole from the tee. Um, I think it really, uh, there's arguments on both, but we really need to plan the hole. So how do we, you know, what are some options that golfers can do to plan? Uh, you don't want to necessarily always just wait till you get to the golf course. If you've played the, the, the course, uh, maybe it's your home course, uh, you might want to look at, uh, uh, at uh, refreshing your, your memory on, on that particular hole. Uh, but what are some good tips for prep, uh, preparing? Great question, and I think I can sum it all up in planning to play the hole to your strengths. If you're planning to play a hole to your weaknesses, you deserve the high score you put in that box. So how do you go about playing to your strengths? And you brought up a couple of different points looking at aerial photography, looking at maybe Google Earth uh, photography that shows you how a hole is laid out. Some people like myself want to teach you that golf courses are built backwards. I, I know this because of the numerous architects I've spoken to, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to plan it that way. Understanding how the hole was built by looking backwards is a great thing. But as you look forward, your ball tendency, your shot shapes have to sort of fit to the eye. And if they don't, you've got to come up with an alternative plan to play that hole so it looks good to you, so in your gut it feels good to you, and you can stand up over a ball and have some confidence you're going to hit the shot that the hole requires at that particular point playing the hole. You've got to be able to understand where your strengths are when you miss a fairway, when you miss a green and play to those strengths versus the weaknesses. You've got to know how far you hit shots, not totals, but carry. Because carry, when you don't know carry yardage, gets you in the most amount of trouble. And you've got to be able to understand, when I putt well, I putt from what distance? Meaning there's probably a proximity to the hole where your putting stroke feels the best, it's the most rhythmic, and you get the best out of it, meaning if you miss the hole, 
you're within a tap-in distance. Can you plan your approach shots? Can you plan your short game shots to be within that proximity? These are things I go over with the simplest of, of golfers, the ones that are just trying to break 100. We, we plan out how to get rid of the bigger numbers by getting rid of the big penalties, the, the tee box mistakes, the putting mistakes, and knowing where my, those things are most comfortable. And then we continue to build upon those. But it's really about you got to plan to your strengths. If I were to sum it up in one, in one phrase, one sentence, I see that is probably the biggest thing I work with my clients on when we're at the golf course, when we're playing holes and trying to have them understand, is will your strength work here, or do we have to come up with an alternative plan using your strengths that still keeps par in play? And that's the phrase I have them think about every shot. If I hit this shot, do I still keep par in play? And I think if most amateur golfers ask themselves that question, each and every shot, we'd see lower scores. We, we'd see the average handicap come down. Yeah, there, I mean, uh, again, some, some really top uh, points here, uh, John, in, in, that, uh, in that answer. Uh, you know, J- Jamie, we often, um, doesn't matter whether it's a hole or a specific shot um, that we're faced with, uh, sometimes indecision. Uh, comes into play. Um, so I'd like for you to, uh, and, and th- there's no right or wrong answer here, but I just want you to, to take this um, and sort of run with it. But when you're faced with a challenging hole or even a challenging shot, this phrase might come in to mind. When in doubt, finish that sentence any way you feel led to. <laughs> when in doubt, uh that tends to come up a lot in golf. And I think golf is a great practice uh, in terms of decision-making because you have to decide on every single shot. Um, I'm someone who likes to kind of have both. I like this and I like that. And so it can be hard to make a decision. Um, And golf makes me make decisions. So I think that it's a great practice for that reason. Uh, We tend to get in doubt for a, a number of reasons. I think the, the biggest thing is insecurity. And insecurity can just be, um, you know, anxiety about your skills. It can be um, sort of having more of a, a tendency to be more of a nervous kind of person and um, uncertain about, obviously we're uncertain in golf about the results. And that's, that's the reason that people are indecisive because you just can't know the result in advance. So there's uncertainty and uh, it's how how do we cope with uncertainty? All we can do is do the best we can, which is goes back to what we started with, being present. The more you can learn to be present in your body uh, and in the moment, be clear uh, about the shot that you want to make or that's called for in this situation, um, which has to do with visualization and all of that, and taking into consideration the course management factors. Um, and then realistically, as you brought out a little earlier, Ted, realistically, are you capable of making that kind of shot? Or, and if you're not, what shot are you capable of making that could help you land in a safe place with the shot that you're about to make? Maybe you really can't hit that high shot onto the green from, I don't know, 150 or 80 or even 100 yards out. 
what can you do um, where you can hit the ball to a safe spot and then get onto the green? So it's being realistic um, in your decision-making and knowing that nobody can be assured of the outcome, even the top pros, right? They never quite know exactly what's going to come out on every swing and shot. So, you know, that's, and that's part of the challenge of golf as we embrace the challenge. So when in doubt, you know, embrace the challenge, get into your body, go into your belly, go into your legs. These are martial arts skills that I teach about um, centering. It turns out that uh, doubt has to do with, again, insecurity and anxiety, which is in the overall emotional category of fear. And something I do with people is I go, I'm going to say one, two, three, boo. And I make a really loud boo to scare them. And so they get this, afraid. And you know, then they study what happens to them physically. And when we're in fear, we tend to kind of go up. It's like, huh. so we go up. That means we go away from the earth. We get out of our feet and our center and our legs. And we are tense in our upper body, which tends to cut off uh, flow and, and free swing motion. So we go up. We stop breathing. Our muscles tense. And our mind kind of goes on tilt, like you can't think very well. So we need to learn to counter those things. And the quickest ways to counter them are to get centered, get down into your belly and into your legs and feet. So for me, when in doubt, go into my body, go into my center, uh, establish greater emotional calm and mental clarity. Then be in the present, assess the conditions, assess my ability, what's going to be the, the highest percentage shot that I can make and club selection I can make right now. Make that decision and then as we always say in golf, commit to it. Whatever it is you decide, the commitment is probably the most important part so that you don't sort of slow down your swing, you don't want to decelerate, you don't want to make a, a quirky swing. Just can you still make your best swing in this situation uh, by being committed to a, a reasoned um, decision that you've made? Um, again, some fantastic point uh you know we're always have doubts in our game obviously the more confident we become as we become more proficient with our game um some of those decisions become a little bit easier um it might be something as as simple as maybe taking one more club you know often we see uh many pros seeing pro-ams you'll hear them talk about their amateur partners uh, are not ever hitting enough club um and that's because they're unsure they don't really know what to do so they just sort of guess and um, ultimately they end up falling short so when in doubt I, I agree I think you just you have to make a decision you have to follow through with that decision and even if it ends up being the wrong decision that's okay as long as on the other side as John pointed out earlier that sort of post shot routine if you will is then you can take away what did I learn from that okay I didn't take enough club um, maybe I didn't hit it as solidly because I was doing this that or the other so you need to sort of evaluate that after the shot, put it aside for a moment, continue on with the round, go on to the next shot, but keep a mental note for when you get back on the range or with your instructor, and you can discuss some of those things as we talked about earlier. Um, John, this is an interesting one, and uh, I think that uh, I'm going to actually give you um, uh, really kind of a, a two-four here. Uh, one's, I think, very easy, but... Um, Embrace the noise. Uh, unlike professionals uh, out on the tour, you know, we don't have a lot of uh, crowd noise and things like that, but there certainly are some distractions. How do we sort of block that out? Uh, and then the other one that I want you just to touch on is uh, prepare your bag in advance. So uh, what I mean by that is uh, 
obviously, maybe if you're a high handicapper, you've been playing the same clubs for a long time, maybe it's time to swap out some things. So talk about that as well. How do we make sure what's in our bag is going to serve us well out in the golf course? So I'm going to pull the two together and tell a real quick funny story. It's very often that I'll get somebody who can't break can't break 90, let's put it in that category, who comes to the range not necessarily with the wrong equipment, but scattered equipment throughout the bag, and does have a hard time blocking out the noise, blocking out the distractions, as I call it. Noise can be anything other than audible. It can be visual. It can be perceptual. It, it can be a lot of different things. And the the comedic way of looking at this is when I'm asking the person to find a particular club in their bag and they can't find it because the bag's not organized. And then all of a sudden they start talking to themselves in a non-positive way that creates distractions, which further exacerbates the time taken to find that club that I had requested. And it, it happens a lot. And I would say the two go hand in hand, as I just demonstrated, but they also are separate entities. Let's deal with the bag first because that's what most golfers have their minds set on. Do I have the right stuff in my bag? How do you know if you have the right stuff in your bag if it's not organized? Get the thing organized to where when you know you want to go for that long iron or hybrid or the wedge, you know exactly in the bag where to reach. The more time you spend looking for it, the more distracted you get. So how can you deflect the noise if you're distracting yourself with noise? just trying to find that right piece of equipment for, for the shot you have. Can you then, with the help of a good club fitter, determine are these the right clubs for you? And should your club set be made up differently, whether it's a different set of wedges or maybe your anchor iron is, is a six iron and you need more hybrids throughout to get that high lofted shot to a longer par three or a, or a longer par four with an approach shot. Those are all things that you got to settle in your mind to help you keep the distractions away. As far as the distractions go, first off, why are you listening to free advice from your buddies? Other than the 11 care for them, do they really know what they're talking about? Yes, they do. They only know what they're talking about because they do it, not necessarily you can do it. And that's what free advice is worth free because it's coming from somebody talking about what they can do not necessarily what is best for you. So if you're really looking for advice, put some earplugs in. Don't listen to it. Find a way to, to just drown it out. When it comes time for that pre-shot routine, get rid of the visual distractions by finding a very precise target. As if you're throwing a dart, you're looking at the dartboard or are you looking at the bullseye? This is a uh, subject that I've mentioned on this program numerous times. The more you stare at that bullseye, the bigger the bullseye gets, and the more free your brain is to just go ahead and throw that dart at the bullseye. And as Jamie said before, your batting average hitting the bullseye is going to improve and be a lot better than if you're just trying to hit the board. The other thing to get rid of distractions is to understand your personality. Lee Trevino is distracted when he's got to be quiet. It just drives him nuts. It creates all sorts of noise in his brain. While others, like a Jack Nicholas, embrace the solitude, embrace the quietness. That's their personality and during their heyday. 
understand what your personality allows you to accept as noise and when to accept the noise. And just like pulling the club out of the bag to start that routine that I mentioned before, maybe that's also the trigger to put the blinders on, to put the earplugs on, to get your focus on, get your focus placed on the things that really matter, not the things that don't. Uh, again, some great, uh, great answers on that. And, and, you know, I, I think, Jamie, there's, there's also um, something to, to be said when it comes to, so, and I just want you to touch on this just a little bit. Um, we can't always be 100% focused on the game, even during a tournament. Some of the best players in the world, Annika Sorensen was one who early in her career struggled a little bit because she was so laser-focused on every um, aspect of her game. It's almost impossible for four or four and a half hours to do that without taking a breather. So every once in a while, in between those shots, you have to enter your happy place. How do we do that? How do you sort of be in focus in the moment, but then get out of focus for a few moments while you get ready to get up to your shot again, um, maybe while the other players are, are doing their thing? How do we enter our happy place? Uh, well, for me, you know, my happy place is in my body. It's in my center. It's in my belly. And, again, I, I hate to keep bringing this up, but, Boy, once you get comfortable in your body, it helps you be comfortable in the moment. And you have this place to go to and to focus on. So people are different in, uh, in between shots, how much they like to just kind of uh, relax and notice the trees and hear the birds singing, um, go to a happy place by appreciating nature. Some people really do like to chat and schmooze a little bit. Uh, for some people, that's too distracting. So, you know, it depends on your kind of sociability factor. Um, but finding um, what it is, and it can change on the situation, you know, how much you want to be sort of sociable or not in between shots. But um, I think that it's a, a real skill how to get present in the moment. And, uh, again, when you get really present in your body, you get into the moment. So just having those skills, and they're really easy, just focusing on your breath and your belly and your, your base. There you are. <coughs> Excuse me. need some water here. <clears throat> but I think that, you know, once you develop that skill of getting present, you're okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you're good to go once you have that skill about getting present in the moment and in your body. I, I couldn't agree um, 100% more. Um, you're exactly right. I think you have to find what, what really what works for you. And if, you know, being in, in present in the body um, also, sometimes focusing on other things temporarily just to just be a distraction it might be looking at the at the landscape that you're admiring as you're walking, if you're walking on the course, even if you're driving in the cart, um, you know, look around, enjoy the scenery and just sort of get into that, um, uh, you know, happy place, if you will, whatever you want to call it, um, and don't be laser focused all the time. I want to leave the, It could the be eating something you like. <laughs> you may just enjoy buying right. a sandwich or, or a cookie, you know. Something that makes you feel good. That's right. Just something to, to give you some good, good, happy feeling while you're walking around or, or driving around the golf course. I want a great discussion tonight, guys. I want to leave the audience with two uh, questions uh, that I want to answer uh, that sort of sums up everything we talked about tonight. And the first one is, how do I overcome golf anxiety? And the best way to describe that is to overcome anxiety on the golf course is, number one, 
doing some breathing exercises, uh, taking some deep breaths both in and out, um, especially as you're getting ready before uh, you hit the shot, you're going through your pre-shot routine. Uh, enter that happy place, as Jamie just talked about, getting sort of mentally focused, um, doing that pre-shot routine that John, uh, John described um, earlier. Uh, these factors can help you completely clear your mind and help put you at ease, enabling you to focus on that one shot at a time. The next one is how do I get mentally tough at golf? And you do that by putting your poor shots behind you, focusing again on that one strike at a time, uh, employing your pre-shot routine, as we mentioned. Uh, the faster you forget about a terrible result, the quicker you can reset and focus on striking uh, your next one even better. So think about those two questions. Think about all the things that we talked about here at John and, and, uh, and Jamie talked about here tonight in Coach's Corner. And uh, if you missed any of your joining us a little bit late in the party, uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live after the show. And you can listen to the recorded version. You can go back and listen to the entire show. Uh, but you know, a lot of great tips, uh, a lot of great discussion here tonight. And I want to thank both of you for, for joining me on the panel. And as always, uh, I'm going to give you guys uh, a moment uh, to let the folks know if they want to reach out to you and connect in any way. Uh, John, you go first, then Jamie. Sure. Thanks, Ted, as always, for the opportunity. I, I have this blocked off in my calendar for the next several years. The second Thursday of every not of every month and look forward to to doing this with regardless of who's on the show with me. Jamie, always a pleasure. Your insights, your your different way of looking at it from a martial arts standpoint of view. I think people can really get a lot out of I talk a lot about it myself, even though I'm not as certified at that as you are. If you want to reach me, it's easy. John Hughes Golf, whether it's at John Hughes Golf, social media-wise, ampersand or hashtag or whatever, it's John at John Hughes Golf, johnhughesgolf.com. I try to make that easy as I set my business up years ago. And my time at Macklemore, i got to do a selfish plug here, Ted, is sold out. My private time is sold out. However, the next best thing to seeing me privately could be seeing me as part of the top 25 golf school that Ted's hosting at Macklemore. Uh, make sure you find out more information about that. Still time to sign up. Only a few spots left. Hope you can join us there. And as always, Ted, thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure, and thank you for that. Um, Jamie, go ahead. Best way the folks can reach out to you? Sure, they can find me uh, under Jamie Leno, L-E-N-O, like uh, Jay Leno, Jamie Leno Zimron on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is thecenteredway.com, center with an E-D, thecenteredway.com. Uh, my book will be coming out early next year, I hope, and I already have a, um, a award-winning and evergreen video and uh, uh, book series, so that's always available. And um, just write to me, Jamie, J-M-I-E, at thecenteredway.com. Give me a call. I do return calls and love to talk more directly, 760-492-GOLF, 760-492-4653. And thank you, Ted, uh, as always, and also John. Always great discussions. I learn a lot, and it's fun to share ideas. Thank you. Well, thank you both uh, for joining me tonight on the Coach's Corner panel. Always a pleasure. And, again, thank you for giving of your time. I know it's not always easy sometimes coming off the lesson tee or uh, other things going on in your lives, and I appreciate you 
uh, spending some some Thursday evenings uh, every year and every uh, every month uh, with me here on Coach's Corner. And I know the audience enjoys it and, and learns a lot. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Have a great weekend and much continued success to both of you. And uh, I'll see you guys next time on the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks and have a great evening. Thank you. Thanks, Ted. All right, that was uh, John Hughes and Jamie Little Zimron uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by my very special guest, a professional golf instructor and a top 25 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine, Mr. Barry Goldstein. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. And as always, don't forget, uh, Golf Tips Magazine comes in both print and digital version, so you can have either or. You can get both, depending on what your uh, preference is. It's always nice to get both because you can have the magazine laying at home when you're at home, and if you want to take it with you on the road instead of throwing it in your suitcase, uh, most people carry their mobile device. You can access uh, your uh, magazine uh, through the digital version as well uh, online. So uh, a lot of great ways to do that. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. And as uh, just to sort of piggyback on what John was talking about, for those of you uh, that would like to attend uh, Golf Tips Golf School up at Macklemore, the dates are the 27th to the 29th of October. I hope you can join us. If you want more information, you can reach out to me personally. My email is editor.golftipsmag at gmail.com is the email I'm using. Or you can reach out to me through my personal cell at area code 850-238-6130 if you need to get more details. So again, the dates for the Golf Tips Golf School at Macklemore in October are October 27th to the 29th. Reach out to me at editor.golftipsmag at gmail.com. Reach me by phone at area code 850-238-6130. look forward to your calls. Um, all right. So uh, as I mentioned, my uh, good friend is, is joining me tonight. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and, uh, and then we'll get into uh, our discussion tonight. And I think we're going to have some calls coming in uh, shortly as well. So as I mentioned, uh, my uh, guest tonight is uh, professional golf instructor and golf tips, top 25 instructor Barry Goldstein, uh, based out of Coral Springs, Florida, and Binghamton, New York. He was actually born there uh, and attended the uh, Binghamton, uh, Binghamton excuse me, High School. Uh, he's received recognition for teaching everyone from junior golfers, amateurs, right up to professional golfers as well. Uh, but he was also the captain of his ice hockey team uh, prior to that and baseball player and ultimately decided to play baseball at Florida Atlantic University. Uh, once that uh, career was over, he decided to turn to golf and quickly took up the game, uh, competing as an amateur golfer, and his focus soon uh, would shift to teaching side of golf. And uh, he was selected, as I mentioned, as one of America's top 25 instructors by Golf Tip Magazine. And uh, he equates one of his biggest uh, personal accomplishments as being the coach and caddy for his uh, lovely daughter, uh, Carly. Uh, who won the Florida State uh, golf title in 2012, up among many others, and was a member of the LSU Tigers golf team when she attended the university. So please welcome 
my very special guest, Mr. Barry Goldstein. Good evening, Barry. Welcome. Hey, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, my friend, for joining me tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Same here, Ted. Always good to be on the air with you. Pleasure to be back. I was I was just going through my notes um, a little while ago, and I was trying to figure out when the last time you were on, and I think it was. You've been on actually many times. You've been uh, a, a frequent guest on the show, I think, about five or six times. I think last time was just a little over a year ago. I think it was April, if I want to – don't quote me on this. I think it was April 20. Uh, 22, I believe, was the last time you were on. That sounds about right, Ted. Sounds, I'm sure you're yeah. accurate. <laughs> uh, don't, don't ask me which specific day. Obviously, it was a Thursday night. but uh, So it's been <laughs> just a little over a year, just a little over a year, but that's okay. Always happy to, to have you on the show. So before, I, I know we're going to have some people calling in here in that, and uh, I, I can obviously see them coming in on the switchboard. So we've got a, a minute or two, but... Um, Talk about what it is about this game that you enjoyed, not only as a player, but what do you get out of it? I mean, forget the financial, get, you know, that is a, a given. It's a, it's a career. It's a, it's a profession. What is golf personally? Wow. Great question, Ted. Getting deep right off the bat. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Golf is- <laughs> I would say golf has just given me everything. It's been a great lifestyle for my entire existence. I mean, you know, having a daughter that's such a great player led to so many amazing things. And, um, you know, all of Carly's success took us literally all over the country. And I would have to say the best thing I think that golf does for me, you know, my mom just passed away this week and and I was just kind Mm. of in a fog, you know, for the last week, 10 days. And, giving my golf lessons, being around the game, being at the course and the driving range just kind of gives me that back to normal existence feeling, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 Uh, my condolences, like by, by the way. Thanks, yeah, Ted. Much appreciated. But uh, thank um, you. Yeah, kind of golf, I think, gives me so much value in the way I can help other people get good at it. And it's just a very valuable feeling to be able to assist somebody getting good at something that they were really bad at and you assist them and they move on mm-hmm. and they get better and they appreciate it so much and you're getting paid but at the same time you're really helping somebody with something they love that's a very satisfying feeling and as far as a player you know god i, I played in so many big tournaments all over the country too and you know it just gives you confidence when you're really good at something that mm-hmm. most people struggle with it, it builds a lot of confidence in your life Exactly. And and it makes, you know, as I've said before, and I think you agree with this, is golf mimics life in so many ways. There's so many challenges that we obviously are faced with in life that we also are faced with on the golf course. Obviously, they're different challenges. But, you know, when you work through those challenges, it makes you better all the way around. You, you It gives you a sense of accomplishment. It helps build your confidence. So when you're dealing with whatever struggles you may be having in your life and you start to overcome them, you start to feel better about yourself. And the same thing on the golf course. When you face challenging holes and you learn to navigate those holes with more proficiency, um, obviously with the help of a great instructor like yourself, um, then you, you get confidence and you feel better about yourself and you're more excited about wanting to go out there and tackle another 18. So um, some great you know, uh, words that you, you mentioned there is about really just makes you feel good. What is some of the, sure. the biggest struggle, right? Am I not right? 
in that? Yeah, I feel like golf is a lot like life. If you work at it hard and smart, you'll be successful. But a lot of people always like to shake, take shortcuts, and they do things the wrong way, and they're not very successful. Right. And I've always been the kind that I like to do things the right way and, and get good at stuff, you know. And I feel like I got very good at golf, and then I became a very good teacher of it. And it's just a lot of confidence. It leads to uh, good things. I couldn't agree more. Uh, when you watch, you've seen, I know, you know, many, many students over the year of all different levels. Um, what's, why do they make it so difficult for themselves? What is it that really resonates? I mean, I know there's a lot of different things that you could throw in there, but what's, is there sort of a, a common undertone of what you've seen over the years of why so many people struggle with this game? What is it? Is it their approach to the game? I mean, it's not a matter of their, just their ball striking. That's part of it. But what is it that you think that most people struggle with the most when it comes to, to improving their golf game? Oh, wow. We could be on that one all night, but on a short little note, I feel like <laughs> a lot of golfers, <laughs> first of all, I think they get tension, and tension is the number one killer in the golf game. So the tension mm-hmm. is a huge issue. But I would have to say they go about it, they don't understand how working at it properly can make you successful. They want to do it quickly and easy. And it's just like life. There is no quick and easy. If you're willing to learn from the ground up, and for example, I would taught my daughter Carly or, you know, I've got a kid I teach right now. His name's Lev. He's on the European Rider, junior Ryder cup team. He's phenomenal. 15 year old kid. He learned from the ground up. He started the game at age eight. And it's just learned from the beginning, grip, aim, stance, posture, ball position, swing plane, balance, chipping, putting, bunker play, course management. And these are things that, you know, if somebody's willing to be, want to be good, they've got to be willing to learn all of that. And there are no shortcuts. I feel like the answer, you've got to dig it out of the dirt and work hard. Yeah, uh, uh, words to live by. You know, it's so, it's so interesting, and, and I know I'm sure you've heard this many times yourself, especially in more recent times, but, you know, everybody is going online looking for the, sort of the magic bullet, what, what's going to work for me, and they're watching video after video. And there's certainly some good ones, don't get me wrong. There's some great uh, instructional videos, but there's a lot of fluff out there too. And so – when you're speaking with somebody and the first thing that comes out of their mouth and says, you know, Bear, I was watching these videos on the weekend and blah, 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 you know, and we won't get into all of it. Um, how do you combat that? What, what do you say to them um, to help them understand? Because you can't just ignore You can't just say, well, just don't watch them anymore because they're going to do it anyway. So how do you, what do you say to them? Uh, what's the discussion like with you? Um, when a student comes to you with that, that sort of scenario and says, hey, I've been watching some instructional videos online? That's another great, great question, Ted. I feel like I'm just honest with them, and I said, hey, if you want to get better, just listen to me. All those videos are just going to get you confused and twisted and turned like a pretzel. You're paying me. Take the time and mm-hmm. learn what I teach you today. Come back and see me in a week, and I'll teach you a couple of other new things to get good at. I feel that for example, YouTube and all those videos, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, but man, has that messed up a lot of golfers. And I just know that all the great players that I've been fortunate enough to teach, I mean, PGA Tour winners and college players and state champions, they dig it out of the dirt. They do it from the ground up. They learn how to play the game the correct way. And you're not going to learn that watching a video or walking into a simulator and banging driver for a half an hour and pretending you're playing Pebble Beach. That's not how you get good at golf. Um, 
I just right. feel like they go about it the wrong way. Do you think another problem, uh, well said, by the way, do you think another problem is with many golfers is they tend to be more of a range rat as opposed to an actual player, that they're spending a lot of time on the range working on things that probably are not going to help their game if they, again, maybe <laughs> seen a video or uh, maybe one of their buddies in their foursome has said, hey, you need, Bob, you need to work on this. Um, and they're not actually playing the game enough, getting real, you know, on-course sort of uh, uh, feel to it. Do you think that's another problem is too many people are, are, are spending time on the range and not enough actually out there playing the game? Yes, but that's a good problem because then you could teach them to take what they're doing on the range out to the golf course. At least they're working hard. Um, if they're stuck on the range and they think that's where they're going to learn the game, at least they're working on their swing. At least they're working on their fundamentals. And then you could say to them, hey, hitting the ball is a small part of being a great golf player, you know, and get them to understand that. I, for example, I would teach my daughter on the course just as much as on the range, you know, probably more. Um, there's things you cannot learn on a perfect lie on a driving range. You've got to be able to understand how to play golf, not just how to hit the golf mm -hmm. ball. There's a giant difference. I mentioned earlier in the program prior to you coming on with our panel discussion tonight, um, and I'm just sort of paraphrasing here, but, um, you know, I grew up in the era as a child and watched great players like Palmer and, and Trevino and, of course, Nicholas. And one of the things that Nicholas always talked about every season when he came back out and re got ready to play um, is that he worked on the fundamentals, and that's really what he focused on. Uh, and obviously, you go and play, but, you know, he wasn't worrying about all of these other things that we often hear about and see. Is that something that if people spent more time fine-tuning and getting correct would alleviate a lot of issues on the golf course? Oh, man, Ted. To be honest, you know, I, I get all these great players, and all I'm ever working on with them, grip, aim, stance, posture, ball position, swing plane, balance, um, club face knowledge, you know, whether you're closed or open, that is golf. I, somehow over the last six, eight years, I don't know, with technology, things have gone crazy. But if you want to be a good player, you've got to understand how important grip, aim, stance, posture, ball position, low point, balance, swing plane is. Without that, you've got nothing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The reason why I ask that is I see so many people and again, I'm not saying this to knock, uh, you know, the industry. I mean, I go down to the PGA show every year and or try to go um, as much as I can. And there's a lot of great, um, you know, products that are being out there, training aids and things. And some of them are very, very useful. I'm a firm believer that a training aid is only as good as, number one, how easy it is to understand how to use it, number one. And is what is it teaching me? Is it helping me to ingrain a certain feeling? Is it helping me to understand something? Otherwise, it's just a piece of junk. And I, I'll be quite honest when I say that. There's some good ones out there, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of fluff, as I mentioned earlier, out there as well. Uh, and that's something that, again, players need to sort of sift through. Um, <laughs> when you're, right, go ahead if you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, the only training training aids I believe in. I have a grip training aid. I have an impact bag, which I think is very valuable. I like to use my phone for video occasionally. I don't overuse it. And I just feel I used to have the inside approach. I still use that that Jack Nicholas put his name on. That's about it. I mean, I, 
there's a lot of junk and a lot of garbage out there, Ted. I don't know what happened in the golf industry, but it's just become a lot of kookiness. And like I said, if you want to be a good player, get a good teacher, listen to only that teacher. Don't listen to nine teachers. Get one great teacher and work with him or her and let that person guide you. And every good player I've ever taught, every one of them, works hard and works smart. It's that simple. It really is. Yeah, you have to be willing to, and that that raises up to a point that you touched on a little bit earlier. But you know, you have to be willing to put the work in. You know, it, it's one thing to, uh, you know, get out there and show up at the golf course, but you actually have to put the effort in and work on uh, whatever it is that your your pro is is guiding you to do. Um, because if you don't, you're never going to improve. And then when you're given specific drills or things to work on, homework. People don't like that word, but that's essentially what it is. You need to make sure that you follow through with that and don't just sort of shove it aside. That's one of the biggest pet peeves I think a lot of pros have is they go through the motions of the lesson and giving them tips and things like that to be working on, and then maybe it's a week or so before they see them again, and they've done absolutely nothing um, you know, to work on any of these things. And, and they're spending For half sure. the lesson the next time re- reviewing what they did the last lesson. So, um, you know, and that's just, just a cold, hard fact. Uh, I want to just quickly mention to those listening to the program, if you want to call in and speak to uh, our special guest this evening, uh, professional instructor and, and Golf Tips 25, Top 25 instructor Barry Goldstein, you can do so by calling area code 646-716-4667. Uh, he's going to be here with me for the next little bit, so now's your chance to call in if you have a question or uh, or uh, what have you on, on how your game can be improved. So, uh, again, call in 646-716-4667. And uh, you're going to be speaking live with uh, my special guest tonight, Barry Goldstein. Um, while we wait for some calls to come in, Barry, let me just ask you, um, how do you help a player? And, and, and if you want, uh, I don't want to throw her under the bus, but if you want to use Carly as an example, you're more than welcome to. But uh, how do you help a player handle disappointment? Because there are she didn't probably have a lot of disappointment because she won so many darn tournaments, but um, I think that uh, obviously there were moments when she was disappointed in, in, in her sure. performance or, or the end result. How do you help a player like Carly who is wanting to get out there and give their best and really put in the effort and it doesn't come or happen the way that they hope? How do you, uh, how do you sort of talk them off the ledge? Fantastic question. So, with my daughter, who is a great player, so that's a little bit unusual, but we had some heartbreaking moments. Basically, all right, she, you know, she won 105 golf tournaments in her life, including some major events. But I remember once we skipped her prom. I, I mean, she had her prom when she was a high school senior, and we hardly practiced for the U.S. Open qualifier. Well, she played great. She gets into a playoff to go to the U.S. Open, and we didn't get through. And she was absolutely heartbroken. You know, 17 years old, high school senior, was one putt away from playing in the U.S. Women's Open. So she got an alternate spot, but we didn't get in. And I always taught my daughter no tears, no crying. It's just golf. But, you know, she went over to the side of the green and started to, you know, little tears came out. I put my arm around her and I said, I get it. I'm just as upset as you are. We were sad for a day or two. And then we had another tournament to focus on and we moved on. And I'm big on enjoy your victories, have a long memory with victories and a very short memory with the disappointing days. And, you know, we, we'd kick ourselves for a day or so. I might've given her the wrong club in on a playoff hole and she put it in the front bunker and didn't get up and down. So 
I was as frustrated as she was. And I think a big thing for the average golfer is understanding if you play 10 times, you're going to have a couple of great rounds, a couple of average ones, and there's going to be those days that are just very difficult. And you almost have to embrace the fact that golf is very inconsistent, even for the best players in the world. It just is. And, you know, with my daughter, she was a very mentally strong athlete, so she was easy. But I get some kids that, you know, they play bad, they miss their high school team, whatever, and they start crying. And, you know, you, as you said, you talk them off, off the ledge, you talk them off the ledge by explaining that the good thing to do is to use it as ammunition. I would always tell my daughter, mm. use that as ammunition for your next round. Remember how we feel right now, and let's not feel like this. And luckily for Carly, there weren't many of those, but I have a lot of players that there's a lot of those days. And, you know, I might tell them a funny story, um, or something just like yesterday, Chad, you like this. I, I was telling my daughter, Carly and her husband, Cameron and, and, and my daughter, Aubrey and her boyfriend, Greg, and my brother, I was cracking them up. Some guy drove all the way down from Rochester, New York yesterday, asked me to sign the cover of golf tips magazine. He was on, he said, he's got every cover except a couple different ones. So I signed it for him. He hmm. turned around and he left. That was the whole, so I might tell a student a story wow. like that, get him laughing. And, yeah. Right. Chad and get them chuckling <laughs> about something like that. <laughs> I knew you'd like that story, but I feel like good players, like my daughter, are very mentally strong. It's the average golfer is not as mentally strong, and their disappointments, they really take it to heart. You've got to explain to them, your next round is what we're focused on now. Let this go, and let's use it as ammunition so we don't feel like this after your next round. I'm big on that. I couldn't agree more. I think you have to focus and, and relish in the good times. And just like a bad shot on the golf course, you've got to sweep the, the bad shots aside and, uh, and move on. Um, all right, we've got some callers calling in. Uh, I'm going to read out the last four digits of their number. So if you're listening on the program, which I know you can all hear me now, uh, when I call out your number, you're going to be on with Barry Goldstein, and you're welcome to ask him whatever questions you want to help your game. So uh, we're going to take the first caller at 9693 is your last four digits. Go ahead. You're on live with Barry Goldstein on Golf Talk Live. Hey, Barry, it's uh, Chad Haley. I'm sitting here with Rebecca. How are you? Hey, good to hear from you. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Uh, Rebecca, you want to say hi to Barry? Hi. What's up, Rebecca? <laughs> Nothing much. Just doing my chemistry homework. <laughs> well, what can I answer for you guys? Uh, hey, just a, my question kind of got stolen um, there with the last bit, but I'll ask you anyway because I still think it, it needs some, um, you know, I just wanted to go in. Rebecca had a match yesterday I texted you about it um, where you watched her play the uh, girls last year in that match at Golden Oak, if you don't, if you remember. Uh, I think you lost a couple hairs. But, yes, they actually beat both <laughs> those girls quite quite handily. And uh, and you did say it would happen, and you, you predicted it right a year ago. But I guess um, after the match, I know you <clears throat> kind of pulled her aside because she was kind of uh, really upset and down on herself. And you know, she was a beginner. And I guess kind of what what would you um, what advice would you give somebody probably out there who's just starting out like she was last year um, to kind of just stick with it? I think you know. I think that'd be my question, Barry. Chad, that's an awesome question. So Chad's daughter Rebecca is a is a high school player in Pennsylvania who last year was a ranked beginner, Chad. And she fought hard, but she was a ranked beginner, and she would come in last place in some of the tournaments. That's just the way golf is. Well, this girl played all summer, took lessons every week for the last 15, 20 weeks while I'm up north here. And now she's winning tournaments, Ted, you know, and she was just the low medalist in one of her matches. 
you know, and I love that. And to answer Chad's questions, as somebody that's just starting, it's a hard game. You're not going to get great in three weeks. You're not going to get great in three months. But if you're patient like Rebecca is and you're willing to put in the time like that girl has, she's dug it out of the dirt, Ted, nothing fancy. She's worked her tail off. Mm -hmm. And she's become a girl who's one of the better high school players in her area. She's only a junior. Next year she's going to be the best high school player in her area. And I feel, Chad, to answer your question, if somebody's a beginner and they're not having success, you've got two, two choices. You can quit or you can work harder and get better. And your daughter chose the latter, and look where she's at. Absolutely agree. And, Barry, I just want to say that you're, you know, you're the best, and uh, we, we really thank you for everything. My pleasure, my honor, coaching your daughter. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, and we'll uh, see you this all right, thank, all right, thank you, Chad and Rebecca, for, uh, for calling in and speaking with Barry. All right, we're going to move on to the next caller. Uh, this one is calling in on two four, uh, sorry, two zero four two. You're on live golf talk live with Barry Goldstein. Do you have a question? Hey Barry, it's Dom Weston. How are you? Dom, another great kid, Ted. What's up, Dom? What can I answer for you, buddy? How have you dealt with failure in your golf career? Awesome question. Okay, Dom, I'm just going to be honest with you. Anybody that plays this game is going to have failure. Tiger Woods. Barry Goldstein, Dom, Carly, Rebecca, it doesn't matter who it is. You're going to have failure. The way you deal with it, you got to understand, Dom, it's a very challenging sport. And I feel like the way to deal with failure is, like I told Rebecca's dad, you can either quit or work harder and get better. And I think most people that are winners in life will work harder and get better and improve. And I think Failure just means it didn't happen yet. That's all it means. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just hasn't occurred yet. For example, Dom, Rebecca, that just called last place last year. Well, she just took medalist in three, I'd say three times already this year. She's been the low scorer in her high school matches. That's success. She overcame failure. And I would say, Dom, in a nutshell, people that are good at leaving bad memories behind quickly become successful. People that beat themselves up over bad memories have a hard time in leaving failure behind. And I've had tons of failure in my life. I think it's the reason I'm successful is because you learn to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, well well said. And, and Dom, let me just, uh, this is Ted Roderico, the, uh, the host of golf talk live. I want to leave you with one uh, thought in, in uh, response to that as well. Um, you're going to be met with many, many uh, failures in life. We all do. Um, as Barry pointed out, it doesn't matter who you are. Nobody's immune for it. But what I would say, the sort of leaving this thought with you, is no matter what happens, always use it as a learning opportunity. Always take whatever that failure may be and use that as an opportunity to learn from it um, because that's going to help you prevent from making those same mistakes all the time. I think to somebody like Barry, uh, with his advice, is going to help you be well on your way to being successful. But I want to thank you for calling in, but just wanted to leave you with that thought. Just always look at it as a learning opportunity. We never quit learning until the day we're ready to, to move on to the next life. So take those opportunities when they come. But thank you very much, Dom, for calling in and uh, speaking with our special guest tonight. All right, we're going to move on. Our next caller is calling in uh, from 4474. You're live on Golf Talk Live speaking with our special guest, Barry Goldstein. Do you have a question? I do. Michael Wollstonecroft, how's it going, Coach? Hey, Mike, another great player. How are you? I'm <laughs> doing well, doing well. I, I know you've been up to a lot of stuff lately, bless your heart. 
my condolences to your entire family. Um, yeah, so my Thank question, you. so my, my, my golf game is just taken off like crazy since early this year, but thanks to you, Barry and I worked together at some championship courses, and we really worked on my grip. We worked on uh, positions, and we worked on dropping my hands and my holding my back as far as I can, as long as I can, until I drop it through impact. And I started having a lot of pulls, and it's, it's gotten to the point where now I can control it. I think I've never hit the ball this far in my entire life. I mean, I'm, but now that I can control the ball, I can control the flight. So my question for you is, now that I'm able to score, I'm starting to, I got to the point I was playing mom's time course. I got to two under after four, then I'm at four under after six. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Because you're on cruise control now. You're able to hit, you're hitting shots, you know, and my, my biggest thing right now is what do I need to work on until we work together later on this year? I mean, do I really need to focus more? Not, obviously not every round I'm going to go low and shoot in the 60s. You're going to have bad rounds. You're going to shoot 75, 74, 76. You're going to have to grind out those rounds. And you're right. I heard a lot of cool things earlier, like, you know, it's the next round. You just need to focus on the next round because things are going to get out of your hands, you know. But do I need to focus more probably on my short game right now and maybe learn how to hit different shots around the green because of these different types of greens I'm going to be playing in the Monday qualifiers? Or what do you think? No, here's what I would work on, Michael. Okay, so this is a good player, Ted, you know, and I've taught him Mm -hmm. many times over the years in Florida, all over, South Carolina, North Carolina. And (laughs) here's what I would do, Michael, if I was you. I would play in as many tournaments as you can play in. Is a big difference yeah. playing yeah. and shooting a good score when you're by yourself. Start playing in tournaments, Mike, with players that are, yeah. quote, better than you because that's how you're mm-hmm. going to get better. If you play with guys that shoot 90 and you're shooting 68, you, you know, yeah. that's a comfort zone. I want you to get out of your comfort <laughs> zone and start playing with guys that are better than you. And as many mm-hmm. tournaments, Mike, I don't even care. If it's a nine-hole Monday morning tournament, play with golfers <laughs> in tournaments. That's what you need, Mike. That's what's going to help you get yeah. to the next level. And Sounds I wish like you might be taking it. Yeah, we might be taking I'll a trip over to Russell Henley then. <laughs> Go get my butt kicked by Russell. <laughs> yeah, good friends with Russell Henley, who I've talked to uh, several times. And what I would do, Mike, I'll be in um, Charlotte, North Carolina, at my daughter Carly and, and my son Cameron's house. You're up there again. No. I'll teach you again in October. If not, I'll be back in Florida and I'll work with you all winter no. in Florida. But go play tournaments. Cool. Tell Russell Henley I said hello and Michael, your future's bright. I wish I wish you the best of luck, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, talk to you soon. Thanks again. My pleasure, Mike. All right, thank Michael for thanks uh, Michael for calling in. Got it. All right, we got another uh, caller, uh, fifty six sixty five calling in. Uh, you're on live with. Uh, Barry Goldstein, do you have a question for Barry? Hey, Barry, it's Doug Tabor up in Binghamton. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How hey, are you? It's, it's Christian's dad. Listen, everybody, uh, top-notch teacher. This guy's been teaching my son golf for probably about four or five years now. I saw Barry at various places, Wegmans all over the place. I liked his energy. He's worked with my son. <laughs> and, and Golf is played between the ears, right? So my question for you, Barry, is how do you stay so self-motivated? What's your routine? Ah, First of all, thank you, Doc. Your son's an awesome kid. It's my pleasure coaching him. It's an honor, really. His kid's going to be president one day. (laughs) Chad, the kid's a genius. He's smarter than I've ever been in my life, and he's only 16 years old. (laughs) Ah, that's a great question. I think I'm a very motivated person with athletics my whole life. But I use Doug, to be honest, I carry it over the life. Every morning when I wake up, I always start by stretching. 
doing a huge workout that takes me half an hour. I do that 340 days a year. I mean, I might take a day off here and there. And I also feel like I'm just really big in a, I'm a huge reader, and I, I read a lot of things that are positive. I just feel like I'm always doing exercise for my body and my brain, and I think it really helps, Doug, to be honest. I don't think there's a magic secret. I'm just a big reader and a big exerciser. And when I'm teaching someone like your son, I'm super motivated, super motivated to help a guy like your son play great because I, I love that kid, and I just want the best for him. And there's no <laughs> way I would ever teach your son and not give him my best because I just want him to have success. That kid's a winner. Absolutely. Well, listen, I appreciate that. And you definitely walk the walk, and, and uh, you're much appreciated up here. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate it, man. Say hello to your son. He's a great Will kid. Do. All right. Take it easy. You too. All right, thanks, Doug, for calling in. So let, wow, let's let's nice, piggyback. What a nice comment. Oh, that yeah. was super nice. <laughs> it, you know, it, it and it's a testament. You know, I've I've always thought this. You know, we we've, we've known each other now for a, a number of years. We met uh, several oh, years yeah. ago at, at funny enough at the PGA merchandising show, and I uh, got a chance to, to to meet you there. And you know, I can say this. You know, you always have uh, a, a lot of very high energy. Um, always positive, um, always willing to help other people. And it shows, I mean, I see, you know, your posts all the time through social media, you know, always encouraging words for other people. And, you know, that attracts people, you know, uh, it, it's not just wow, your good looks, Barry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to you. It's not just your good looks. It's also oh, your personality man. has to be there too. But um, you know, no, Ted, I'm just, I'm just I really messing you. Feel like, thank you, Ted. I really feel like, I've been lucky. I've been successful. And, and I feel like success is only good if you share it. And I like sharing it. Right. I like helping people. You know, it's just a good feeling. But thank you so much, Ted. You know, I want to share with the listeners out there. Uh, I'm not going to get into specific stories because there's so many of them. I don't think I can remember them all anyways. But, you know, Barry periodically would, would throw up a story of somebody that maybe was down on their luck or was having some difficult circumstances. And, you know, again, just a testament to you as, as a wonderful human being, not just a great golf instructor, but really reached out and did something. It could be anything from financial. It could be whatever, just to help that person out. And we certainly need a lot more people like that on this planet. And, um, you know, that just, again, is a testament to the type of character and the person that you are, is that always willing to help somebody else. Um, no matter what their situation is. And that's not an easy thing to do because obviously, as, as I'm sure you know, it's very easy in that position sometimes to get taken advantage of. But that doesn't seem to phase you. And it, it comes out in your personality that you're somebody that just believes in, hey, I've been very fortunate. I've worked hard. I've gotten uh, you know some success in my life and very happy where I am. Got a lovely uh, pair of daughters that I'm proud of and whatnot. And I want to do something to give back, not just in my industry, but outside as well, and you do that very well and, and uh, certainly um, should wear that uh, like a badge of honor. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So I want to talk about, um, since he called in, uh, kind of piqued my interest, tell us a little bit about Christian. Doug uh, called in uh, his father and, and spoke very highly, obviously, of you, but also uh, mentioned about uh, his son. So tell us a little bit about Christian. What's what really stands out about his game? Because um, you've had a chance, obviously, to work with him. What is it about his game that really stands out for you? Well, I've been teaching him since he's probably 11, and he's 16, and I feel like he's a hard worker. 
That's why he's having success at golf. Christian works hard, and that's what it's all about, you know. That's what it's all about. I feel like that kid's willing to outwork people, and that's how you get better. And comes from a great family. Like I said, he's literally smarter than I've ever been in my life. The kid's a genius. <laughs> and it's only right. – I say that in all seriousness, and he's focused on golf, you know, and I'm lucky enough to be his teacher, and – I just don't want to let the kid down. He's, he just was a low medals, medalist in one of his high school matches. He knows I teach the kid that won the New York State Championship up here, and I had them all out for a TV, TV interview, and Christian was there, and he just they asked him what he liked about golf, and he said, well, I love the fact that no matter what I shoot, I can always do better. <laughs> what a great answer. You know, that's, mm. that's it right there. <laughs> the words of a champion right there for sure. And, and, you know, it, it's interesting what's, I think, so important that a lot of people miss, and there's a great example. I mean, obviously, he's 16 years old. He's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of years, uh, hopefully some, some uh, wonderful golf years left, and, and who knows where, where that will take him. But the, the, the key thing that I take away is that he's willing to work hard to see those hard. positive results. Right, exactly. Probably harder than, than most of the, the you know, uh, 25 handicappers we see out there. And understandably, oh. I, I get it. But but if you, you want to be you a know, better player, you've got to put the time in, right? Yeah. I, you know, everybody will say to me, um, oh, my gosh, your daughter, the, you know, she Carly Ray, what a great player. So lucky having you be her dad and her golf teacher. And, like, that's why she became a great player. No, she outworked everybody. That's why she became a great player. That girl was willing to do it every day, whether she was sick or healthy, she showed up to get better every day. That's the key to golf, and I would say that's the key to life, too. Yep, I couldn't agree more. All right, looks like we got another caller. I'm going to bring them on. Uh, calling from uh, number 5561 is the last four digits. You're on live uh, with Barry Goldstein. Do you have a question? Uh, yes, I do. Hey, Barry, Greg Frost from North Carolina. And one hey, from, good uh, to hear from you. Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. Hey, I'd like some advice on uh, how to get better on putts within 10 feet. Oh, I love that question. Greg, really simple. Poor putters inside 10 feet have too much movement. So I would give you a great tip. I'll, I'll teach you what I taught my daughter. Best putter inside 10 feet I ever saw. Have a great routine. The routine I always taught my daughter was to take two looks at the hole. The first one, a general look. The second look, a much more intense look, looking at the spot you want to roll the ball in on the hole. Draw a line back to your ball with your eyes, like literally visualize a white string or a railroad track. And when you roll that putt, Greg, keep your eyes down where the ball used to be until you hear the ball rattle into the back of the cup. What I see, Greg, people that struggle with short putting, there's movement. Their body's moving. Their eyes are moving. They're anticipating the putt too early, trying to see it go in too early. So my advice, Greg, get a great routine. Have a routine that you do every single time. And the last thing I would say to you is after your second look at the hole, visualize that line coming back to your putter. And when you roll that putt, Greg, stay there till you hear the ball rattle into the cup. I'll bet you'll make way more short putts. Fantastic. Keep my eyes without peeking, and uh, I'll send you a text. I'll send you a text when I'm under 30 putts. You got it, Greg. Good luck. Say hello to your beautiful wife for me. 
I sure will. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thank you, Greg. All right. Thank you, Greg, for calling in. Great question. Great question. You know, um, yeah, you know, Barry, just to, uh, again, to sort of uh, touch on that a little bit, you know, I think for a lot of people, as you sort of alluded to in the earlier uh, part of our discussion tonight, is, is, is not that they don't have the potential, but they just don't have the ability or understanding of what they need to do correctly. And I think for once sure. they are given, I mean, really what we're doing is we're providing them, it's like any job. It's like if you were a carpenter or, or a plumber. You have to have a certain tools in the toolbox, and you have to develop <laughs> certain skills to be able to perform that. And that's what our job is, is to provide them with, the, uh, obviously help them have the proper tools, but also have them develop the right skills so that they can repeat and they can build and, and develop confidence over time. And they yep. have to be willing to do their part because I, I don't care how good of an instructor you are, you can teach them all they want, but they have a, a role to play as well. So I want well, you, and this is, I know, a, right, a fairly general uh, question, but I want to just get your thoughts on this for, for the listeners out there. And I want it's, to, it's a two-part question. So if somebody is working on their game away from their, from their pro, so you've given them some instruction, you, you taught them last week, and you want them to go out and work on some stuff, how much time should they be spending at the range working on whatever it is that you've got them do at any given time? So if they are coming to see you in another week, do you want them out a yep. couple of times to the range? And if so, how long should they be spending at the range before it gets too much and how much is not enough? And then the second part of the question is, if they're going to play that day, um, what should they be doing? It should be a quick warm-up. How long should they spend? And should they be focusing on, I know it's a lot to absorb, uh, mechanics at that point when they're just getting ready to go out and play on the golf course? So the first one, they've had the instruction. What do you recommend? How much time should they be spending in between the lessons? Well, in a perfect world, I'd like them to go practice two or three times, play around the golf before they come back and see me in a week. But I know that everybody doesn't have that ability, that much time on their hands. So as long as they right. get in at least a practice session working on what we did, then I'm fine that they would come back and see me. I can monitor that and then give them something new to work on. As far as taking it to the course, warm-up should be strictly what it's called. You're warming up your body. Like whenever my daughter had a huge tournament, we're not trying to change her golf swing. We're just simply warming up. Right. We'd hit 20 balls, go over to the green. We'd do our chipping, putting, maybe a couple bunker shots, and we're ready to go. Um, mm. I feel like if you're working on your golf swing on the golf course, you're in trouble. Your golf swing should be worked on in practice. You should be playing golf on the golf course. Um, for example, right. you know, uh, great players might have one swing thought. My daughter, stick my finish, Dad. That's all I was thinking about. Take my look at the target and pose on my finish. You know, that's a great swing thought. If you're trying to put mm -hmm. the club in a position, that's a poor swing thought. Because the swing happens right. in a second. It's very difficult to play golf thinking, well, I better get my right elbow here. That's something you do on the driving range, not on the golf course. Right. You know, I, I had the pleasure the last couple of years, um, I'm, I'm just a, a little bit south of this, this area I'm going to mention, but uh, um, up in um, one of the Robert Trent Jones courses up in uh, lower Alabama, they had the Q series the last couple of years, the final stage of the Q series. And I went up and watched some of these young girls, uh, many of them, I mean, still in their late teens, a few in their early 20s and beyond. But what was interesting is some of the most interesting time that I really enjoyed watching was not so much just out in the golf course, but 
when they warmed up in the mornings, when they were getting ready to go out and play for that particular round. And just the effortless swings that you would see. <laughs> and also, yeah, they were very methodical. Right, they were very methodical. Their practice was so fine-tuned, and their warm-up routines were so spot-on that you could watch them for five minutes and probably take away a, a lifetime of, of information. Is that what you tried to well, instill in, in Carly? Yeah, they've done it that way their whole lives. Why would they change it at a tournament? For I've got a I got a great story for all the listeners and you. I, I remember at the Florida High School State Championship, my daughter's senior year. I knew she was the best player there, but that doesn't mean you're going to win. Just I knew she was just a phenomenal player, ranked number one in Florida and like 60th in the world. But there was other good players there. But it was really cold mm-hmm. for Florida, like 38 and super windy. So I didn't even <laughs> watch my daughter warm up. I met her on the first tee. I remember when she was on the driving range. You know, I took her out to the range. Can't get loose. I'll meet you on a tee. Go do your thing. There was a guy giving a girl a lesson that was playing in the tournament. 20 minutes later, she was going to be teeing off, and they were working on her golf swing. And I just thought, that girl has no chance to compete. None. In other words, they were changing her swing, working. And, of course, I knew she had no chance to win because you can't. My daughter, the same thing we worked on for the previous years, what she was going to go out and do, you know. And I see a lot of that. You know, I see a lot of that where yeah. they're trying new things every other swing. You can't play golf like that. No, you can't. All right, Barry, it looks like we've got a couple more callers here. We're going to try and squeeze sure. them in because we're running close on time. So sure. um, I'm going to call out uh, for those uh, listening on the, uh, the show here online. Um, I'm going to call out the last four digits of your number to let you know that you're on live. So 6374 is the number that we're taking right now. You're live with Barry Goldstein here on Golf Talk Live. Do you have a question? Barry, hey, Mike Allen here. I'm here with Nate. How are you? Hey, guys. Great to hear from you. I'm good, Mike. How are you guys? Doing doing excellent. Doing excellent. Nate's got a question here about uh, getting ready for tournaments. Can't wait. Let me hear it, Nate. Fire away, buddy. He's a little nervous, so I'll ask the question for him. He wants <laughs> okay. to know, uh, he wants to know uh, the, your advice for practicing and getting ready mentally for a tournament? Fantastic question, Nate. Nate is a very talented young player. I think Nate's 10 or 11 years old, Ted, already won himself a couple Mm -hmm. of tournaments. I don't think he knew how good he was until the last year. I kept telling him he's going to be a star. I don't think he really believed me until he waxed about nine kids up here in New York State and won himself a trophy for first place. You know, that'll do it, right? right, Ted? That'll do it. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, and he's won himself three tournaments now, and I love coaching. We live down in Virginia. So my answer to, to Nate, who I love coaching, Nate, to prepare for tournaments, I'll just tell you what Jack Nicklaus told my daughter and I, and Jack Nicklaus, Nate, was probably the greatest player ever, him and Tiger Woods. When I was your age, Nate, Jack Nicklaus was the greatest in the world. And Carly and I somehow <laughs> unbelievably developed a friendship with him. And he used to tell my daughter that he out-prepared his competition. He never went to a tournament where he wasn't the most prepared player there. So what I would do with that advice with my daughter, Nate, for example, high school state championship. I drove my daughter up there. We played three practice rounds before the tournament, Nate. All the other girls got there the day before the tournament, and it took six hours for them to play their practice round. And it couldn't have been any fun. 
My daughter's practice round took us three hours. We flew around the golf course and got to know the golf course. So I feel like playing practice rounds with a purpose is very valuable. Another thing for tournament mm-hmm. preparation, Nate, time Carly had a big event, or forget Carly, any of my Division One students, I've taught PGA Tour players. When there's a big event coming up, short game takes precedent. I would really work on my daughter's chipping, putting, bunker play, pitching, more than her full swing. I really grinded her on getting her scoring shots ready, Nate. And you love chipping, Nate. You're a wonderful chipper. So keep working on your chipping, your putting, your pitching, your bunker play. Nate, you're going to win so many more tournaments. You're a great little player, and I'm really glad you called in. Thank you. You're welcome, Nate. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. All right, advice. Mike. Mike and Nate, thank you very much for, for calling in. And, Nate, much continued success. You get out and do all the things that Barry just talked about, and you're going to be uh, continue to be a champion. And um, uh, just keep doing the, the things that uh, he tells you, and uh, you're going to have a very successful career. But thank you guys for calling in. All right. You know, um, we had another caller, but they dropped off. So we'll see. We'll give them a moment. If, uh, if anybody wants okay. to call in, uh, if there's any final questions, the number, again, is 646-716-4667. We've only got a few more minutes with Barry, so now's the time to do it if you want to call in and, and get that last uh, question in for the evening. But um, we'll we'll keep chatting here. So, you know, that's some great advice that you just gave uh, a young player like that. You know, for him to – he's obviously witnessed some success. He's won, I think you said, three events. Yes, he has. Um, and, mm-hmm. ten, you know, 10 or 11 years old. Um, so he, he's he's developing some confidence. He's going to have to – He's going to have to work on his public speaking a little bit because if he's going to hoist those trophies up, he's going to have to give an acceptance speech. But other than that, I think he's <laughs> – yeah. I love that. That's just, that's just... <laughs> that was funny, Ted. To be honest, Nate's the kind of kid, he didn't know how good he was. I kept telling him because, I, you know, hey, all I do is teach golf every day, all day. I saw it the first time I ever met him. He has two great older brothers, but Nate has locked, locked on the golf and he's starting to see victories. And when you see victories, Ted, Nate is hungry. Nate is going to be a star in golf. And, you know, when you start beating people, man, does that light a fire under you or what, Ted? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, whenever you, uh, you know, are competitive like that and you're seeing the results, it, it just, again, it builds your confidence and, you know, it's exciting and, and it's just uh, a lot of fun. So, um it looks like we've got, we've got a couple of people trying to get in here the last minute. So uh, I'm going to call out the last four digits of your number, uh, and you'll be live. So 7059, you're on live with Barry Goldstein. Do you have a question? Yes. Um, I have a Go question. Ahead. My name is uh, Dr. Jeff Egger, and uh, I'd really like to know what the field state is, a simple definition, because a lot of players that come to see me with their eye skills always complain about whine about getting back in the field state. And I'd really like to get uh, Barry's definition of what the field state actually is. Sure. Hey, Doc. Well, I would have to say if you teach somebody to have great fundamentals and they learn to have a good golf swing, the whole game is field. I feel if you're working on technique and, you know, working on having a perfect right elbow, perfect downswing, that's not – that's a hard way to be a field player. I think the best thing you could do to to develop and and keep the game simple, learn great fundamentals from a young age, develop them like, like Nate is doing, like my daughter did, where the game is just fun because you hit the ball very well, it becomes all field. 
Can I get up and down from 40 yards? Can I hit this lob wedge to two feet from 40 yards? That's all feel. Once you have technique, that's all feel. And I feel golf is the most overtaught, overcoached game in the world. I'm always preaching, mm-hmm. keep it freaking simple. And unfortunately, yep. I see a lot of the opposite. So to answer Doc's question, feel is technique refined to the point where you're great at it. And then all you got to do is work on feel. You know, I feel like if you have bad technique, it's hard to be a good feel player. But once you learn a swing like Nate or my daughter Carly, it's all feel. And I add one more thing. I, well, I had a chance to talk with Nick Price, who's a really, really nice guy. And I asked him the same question, and he looked at me like I was a village idiot. And he said, feels just trusting what your eyes tell you to do. Would you agree with that? Well, it's kind of what I just said. If you've got a good golf swing and you've learned how to play golf, just trust it and go feel every golf shot. 161 to a back pin, I'm going to hit a baby seven iron in there. That feel. 109, mm-hmm. downwind, I'm going to hit a high, soft sandwich. It drops right there. You know, that feel. But you can't have feel right. if you don't learn how to play the game. You've got to learn how to play the game. But thanks, Doc. I would have to say feel is developed by having a good golf game. Okay, thank you. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree. All right, thank you very much, Dr. Jeff, for calling in. All right, we got time. I think we can squeak in another, maybe two more. Uh, again, I'm going to call out your uh, four-digit number. Uh, 1097 is the last four digits of your phone number. You're live on air with Barry Goldson. Do you have a question? Hey, Barry, it's Anthony. Uh, as a father, when you're, when you're working with your son, obviously this game is, it can just make an adult cry. How do you how do you help him through some of these tough situations so that you know he can fight through it? Obviously, tournaments you get the adrenaline pumping. It's uh, you know you got the nerves. You know when you're a 11, 12 year old, that's a lot to take on. Let alone be a 40 year old adult. Well, your son's a great kid. He's a baseball player as well as a golfer, and. He could use some of his mental toughness from baseball to help him at golf, Anthony. Things like when he hits a bad shot in golf, I always tell my daughter, you've got to have that real short memory and leave it behind you, you know. It's just like baseball. You go 0 for 3 with an error. Well, you've got your next game. You need to get focused on the next game. You could go 4 for 4 with a home run. And I feel like if you only focus on the bad things you did, it's also hard to get good at life, let alone golf. I feel like your son's just learning golf. He's getting good. He gets hungry, you know, and if he's willing to practice correctly, he'll become a very good golfer. I taught him maybe six, eight hours this summer, and he's developing. Um, you tell your son that this game's hard for Tiger Woods, so how would it not be hard for him? That's just the way it is, and let him embrace that. And not everybody's going to be great at golf because a lot of people quit. He's not going to quit. Thanks, Barry. He's listening to you now. Course, I appreciate Anthony. it. You got it, buddy. All right, we got thank uh again, thank you, Anthony, for calling in. All right, we got time for one more. Uh real quick one. Uh again, number last four digits is thirteen ninety one. You're live and on air with Barry Goldstein. Do you have a question? All right, Barry, Barry, Jimmy G from New York, man. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Jimmy? Good, man. I'm here with Billy. We had to listen to your wow. show tonight, man. Wow, Ted, this was this was my little league catcher. I love this guy. I went kindergarten through twelfth grade with this guy. Yep. Fantastic. I tell you, yeah, I tell you yeah. he's been coaching me and teaching me for many, many years. It's 
it's just amazing the the difference when you go and you spend some time with him. Um, I mean, I've known him forever, but the difference in my game, you know, like you said, you got to put the time and put the work in. So I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks because I've been I've been working and I've been doing this and doing that. But I got to tell him this because he doesn't notice because I didn't, I was going to text him, but now that it, we'll do it live. So we go to we go play golf. We go out of town and I go to some municipal golf course I never seen before. And we go play and he always tells me, Gavin, you shoot in the 30s. You got to text me. So I go to this place and never seen it before to play a bunch of guys. So I shoot 38-40 on Saturday, and I took all their lunch wow. money. And they weren't real happy with me, but I'm telling you, man, it was, <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was so Way good. Way to go, Jimmy. Way and to I go, did, buddy. Oh, dude, I'll tell you what. And then Sunday, Sunday we go and we play, and we go play another place, right? And, and I shoot 40-41, and they're just, like, shaking their head, like, what has got into you? And I said, wouldn't you like to know? Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But thanks to you, man, I went from shooting horrible. I mean, it was it was you know it was brutal when I started, right? It was Jimmy brutal. was a slicer. Jimmy oh, was terrible. a slicer, Ted, and and I taught him how to draw mm-hmm. the ball, and his yeah. whole game changed, you know. And Jimmy's just a good athlete. I've known him since I'm in kindergarten. He was my catcher in little league, literally. When I show him what to do, he gets good. It's simple as that. Jimmy, I'm thrilled for you, buddy. Yeah, it, it was. Uh... It's been a, I tell you what, it's been a good ride this year. It's been a very good ride. I'm like, don't wake me up, please. <laughs> Thank any you. Questions, <laughs> any questions? That I, you got anything I can answer for you? You got anything? No, the, we we got to go. We got to go putting, man. We got to, I got to work. I think it could come down. My short putts stink. We we got to do some of that, like 10 foot. Like you said, I got to try something different because it's just <laughs> everything's short. Oh, my God. One night would be great, and then the next five will be terrible. So we got to you, you let me know when, right. and I'm happy to help you with it. Right. Happy to help you with it, Jimmy. And All keep right. playing great, buddy. That's great golf, right. man. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Say hello All to All right, Billy. congratulations. Th- thanks for thanks for calling in, Jimmy. All right, um, Barry, we're we're just about out of time. One quite last thing I want you to touch on before we uh, we sort of sign off for for tonight. Um, and, and we've had a number of uh, gentlemen that called in about their their children wanting them to be, get better and that. What advice would you have for parents whose child wants to play um, are unsure of how to handle that? In other words, you don't want them pushing the child. You want the child really to sort of um, do for themselves, but you want to be supportive. How do you find a balancing act? What would you suggest if you parents come in and you said, Barry, I've got a child that seems to show some talent. I think they want to play golf. How would you advise them? Wow, I love it. Um, First of all, it's okay to push somebody if they want it. Like my daughter, I, I always loved her so much. She wanted to be the best, so I pushed her. And she turned out to be a heck of a player, you know, free college. Probably could be playing professional right. golf right now. She just didn't want to. But if somebody was new and came to me like that, what I would say is this is the best sport in the world. It's going to give your kids something to play for the next 70 years. And I would try to make it fun for them. I don't want the kid to think he's going to turn into a superstar in a week. So I explain to them. There's a little bit of a process. It's not like you're going to be a star in a week. There's a process to it. But if your mom and dad bring you to me and I get to see you regularly, you're going to become a good golfer. And where you want to go from there is, is do you want to work real hard or medium hard? Because if you want to work real hard, then you're looking to be a different kind of golfer. You can get really good. But um, I just think make it fun. Let the kid play. I couldn't agree more. Barry, my friend, I want to thank you very much for being my special guest. Unfortunately, we're out of time, and I've got to sign off, but thank you very much for joining me, and thanks especially to all of the callers that called in tonight and 
had questions for Barry. We'll definitely have him back again on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll get some more callers calling in with some some new questions as well. But, Barry, thank you as always, uh, and uh, keep up the great work, and thank you for being a great contributor to Golf Tips Magazine. I appreciate it very much. And you have a great weekend, and I look forward to having you back. Thank you, Ted. Pleasure being on the air. All right. Thanks, Barry. All right, that was uh, tonight's special guest. We've just run out of time. Barry Goldstein, professional golf instructor and Golf Tips Top 25 instructor. And I also want a special thanks to John Hughes and Jamie Leno-Zimron for joining me uh, earlier on the Coach's Corner panel. On that note, thank you, everybody, for tuning in live. And I will see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.